0: and good afternoon and welcome to today's episode of Every Woman. I'm Kate Redmond and uh, I'm flying solo today. There is no Una or no Fiona here today. Uh, That sometimes happens on the fifth Saturday of the month, but we've got a very special show for you today, a very special guest coming to us all the way from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, She's a life coach, And she's been teaching women self-love for 17 years. Uh, She has a very interesting way of approaching it. She's an international undergarment educator. And uh, she's a TV star with appearances on the Today Show. uh, Martha Stewart, Rachel Ray, and for those of you listening from Canada, which I know a few of you do, uh, Marilyn Dennis. So I want to welcome Kimé Caldwell. To today's episode of Every Woman. Kime, thanks for joining us.
1: Hooray, Kate. I'm so excited to be here. This is such an awesome opportunity and can't wait to chat with you.
0: Yeah. I, I do want to take a moment here and let all our listeners know that this is a pre pre-reco- recorded show. I am in the studio. Uh we recorded this earlier this week. And Kime, I want to um offer my condolences for your loss.
1: Oh, okay. thank you so much. My grandfather passed away and I will be traveling to go to his memorial and his graveside and spend some time with family. So Kate was generous enough to uh, move our our date for recording. So thank you so much. I appreciate Um, it.
0: You're welcome. You know, family comes first. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, you you grew up near Buffalo, New York. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: I actually grew up in a suburb of Rochester, New York. So Western New York, absolutely New Yorker for life. And then I quickly moved. Well, when I went to college, I moved to New York City, which is that really feels like home to me. I was there for 16 years and it's my favorite place in the world.
0: Yeah, I'm a transplant. I'm originally from Ohio and Kansas City is home. And uh, this is where I will be buried.
1: (laughs) I love how that works out. Actually, my husband's from Ohio. I feel like we probably talked about this, but I've spent many a time in Ohio. I'm there all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when you were in New York City, you were there to study performing arts and theater, weren't
1: you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I did not. When I was a little girl, I did not ever think I was going to grow up to be a coach and an undergarment educator and a bra fitter and travel the world and take pictures in underwear. That was not my plan. My plan was to be a movie star and a Broadway actress. So I moved to New York City. I studied theater and musical theater at a really great college on the Upper East Side and just... Completely started my life there. I I was financially independent at 18 years old, and that's was, cool. Yeah, was just living in the city, going to school, and had to work. And that was actually how I sort of stumbled into bra fitting.
0: Ooh. So you were uh, at a small boutique in Soho.
1: That's right. There was a small boutique that was opening up, and I was making like. like $8 an hour selling shoes, maybe less. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. And this was 2005. And a friend of mine said, you know, she knew I needed more money. And she said, well, I know this bra shop that's opening up in Soho. Would you be interested in bras? I had no interest in bras. Kate did not care about bras. I was 20 years old. It didn't matter to me, but I said, how much do they pay? She said, I think $10 an hour. And I was like, I'm going to be rich. Let's go. (laughs) And I went and I got hired on the spot and it completely changed my life. And hopefully now I'm changing other people's lives through this medium, but you know, at 20 years old, and as a musical theater actress, I had very limited, this was also like before Instagram and other things, like I had very limited knowledge of what real human bodies looked like. Mm -hmm. And everything in my mind was about how I looked. And I grew up through that diet culture and things in the nineties. And I, my body just didn't live up to the perfectly airbrushed images I was seeing in magazines. And maybe some people listening can relate to this. Um, and yet I had a very healthy, privileged, white-presenting body. And so I was really taking all those privileges for granted. And when I I honestly feel, Kate, this is a real thing. I think everybody should be a bra fitter for one week <laughs> because <laughs> the things you will see and the humanity that I saw, and it was, it was New York City. So I saw every oh. kind of body that you could imagine, people after surgery, people after multiple births trans folks, um, you know, older folks, younger folks, bigger folks, smaller folks. Like it was every kind of body you could imagine. And even the ones I thought were stunning all had something negative to say in the mirror to themselves. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't even see that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing the same thing. And I saw they had stretch marks too. You know, they had cellulite too. They had all the little things that I was worried about in myself. So I started a journey of talking kinder to my own self, my own body And then I realized I had an opportunity to do that in the fitting room as well. I could just help somebody find a bra that fits, you know, well, that's already a great service, (laughs) but I also (laughs) decided, you know what? I can also help this person like who they see in the mirror and get over some of the stories that we carry. And this really sacred part of the body, especially bras, they're worn right over the heart. So if, there is any. There's three things I always look for in someone. If there's any confusion, like what size do I even wear? What the heck is the difference between a double D and an E? Why does the 44 fit different than the 42? And then also, um, discomfort. So it's digging in, it's falling down, or shame. The biggest one is shame. They're too big, they're too small. I'm too much, I'm not enough. They're too this or not enough that. That that really blocks this part of the body, both energetically, emotionally, and physically. So I realized if I could help people lift those three things in that fitting, then they could have their shoulders back and their heart out and lead with their heart and make heart-led decisions, which is the biggest thing I want for people in the world. I think we need more people making heart-led decisions. So this is my way to help them
0: do it. And you do such a wonderful job of it. we'll get into this a little bit later, but you've done that for me too.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad. So really right.
0: Well. Um, there's the concept of inside, outside and underneath. Yes. Can we talk about that a little bit, please? Yeah,
1: sure. So, you know, undergarments are really the underneath part of that portion. So anything underneath your clothes, it's something that other people don't necessarily see and you can dress for yourself. So people can sort of, Use undergarments as a tool to affirm themselves, support themselves, literally and and figuratively um, empower themselves without having to broadcast it to the rest of the world. It's a really safe and empowering way to love yourself. And I like to think of um, taking the routine of putting on your bra or taking off your bra every day, which most people hate and making it a ritual. And you got to have good tools to make it a ritual, right? You have to like have things that fit and feel good for this to actually be something that helps start your day with hooray. So that was really where I was working, but I realized we really had to start inside, meaning the way we talk to ourselves, the conversations we're having in our mind, what we think when we look in the mirror. And so that was where I really felt like you have to take that inside approach first, then you can translate it to underneath and then outside, meaning how you show up in the world. How you how you relate to that person in front of you, how you share yourself with that person, it all has to start from the inside first. So I use this analogy all the time when I teach the Hooray House method, which is a coaching tool that I use and working on the inside of your house first. But also with bras, you know, we have to like talk <laughs> about how you're talking to yourself about the size you might be wearing or if your body has changed, what that means about you. We got to talk about the inside stuff first, always. So I like to help people say Hooray, inside, outside, and underneath that's my little my little slogan
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i think it's a really appropriate slogan because it's one that always resonated with me
1: awesome oh i'm so glad
0: well and and i also have to admit for me it's a little different because my inside and underneath i had major issues with Mm -hmm. 58 years
1: yeah they didn't match your outside
0: right that's a whole tricky situation yeah so um and you've been so helpful. So through the course of everything you do, just want to at least acknowledge, you know, you created Hooray Media. That's your business, your company. Um, Hooray com. Hooray Kimmy. Didn't mean to mispronounce your name.
1: <laughs> Thank <laughs> Hooray you.
0: Hooray I get called Kimmy a com. lot,
1: but it is Kimmy.
0: <laughs> it is uh, I Just the way you spell it drives that home to me.
1: Yes. K-I-M-M-A-Y.
0: And uh, then you were doing the wild uh, woman circles while you were in Manhattan. Are you still doing those?
1: That's such a good question. Okay. Yes. So quickly I'll say I started Hooray Media in 2014. So I'd been working in Intimates in this boutique. I really quickly got recruited by Saks Fifth Avenue to work in their intimate apparel department. So I kind of moved on up and then very quickly got recruited by La Perla, which is a very, very high end Italian lingerie company where bras are like $300. I actually sold a $575 bra. And this was back in 2006. So like add inflation to that. (laughs) Um, and it was a wild time, but what was so fascinating was even though I was sort of working my way up to these higher clientele, higher end things, the stories people were telling themselves were still the same. Like Mm -hmm. people still had these insecurities. So I, I actually ended up working in ready to wear for one year and I was making really good money, but I felt, I knew that a dress and shoes were blunt objects for me to use as a tool Uh to transform someone's life. I could do that with a $55 bra a lot better than I could with a $500 dress. Just me personally, it was not my tool. So I decided to, uh, to leave. And I actually like I actually got let go. It was during the recession and I was upset okay. for about three days because I was like, how dare they? And then I was like, actually, I hated it. there." <laughs> so like, thank you so much. Um, and then I ended up getting called back by that mom and pop shop. And I worked my way up from being their uh, working in their customer service online. They had an online store now as well to becoming their store manager, then their marketing manager and their marketing director. And I try to tell people I did not go to school for marketing. I actually went to school for musical theater, if we remember, Mm -hmm. but I, I knew our customers so well, I'd helped them in the store. So often I could finish their sentences. So I loved creating content marketing before I even knew what that was. I loved, so this is right when social media was becoming a thing in like 2010, 2011, I was so excited to like create blogs and, 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 you know, Twitter posts and stuff for people or for this brand that in 2014, I decided to do that on my own. So that was where Hooray Media started. And now I have a media company where I work with brands and support them on my own platforms and then on their platforms and partner on TV and share them all over the world. Mm -hmm. Then I also work with consumers or bra wearers of any kind with a course that I have called bra confidence and comfort and then I also still do coaching and have coaching programs. So, mm-hmm. this is where the women's circles fit in <laughs> because everyone's <laughs> always like I'm a little confused. Why are you a bra fitter that also does moon circles? <laughs> what is the <laughs> connection? And I think because I take that inside out approach to life um this is this is inner work, you know when I lead a women's circle, which I did for six years straight every single month, that's a lot of moon circles. Mm-hmm. um I'm really leading people through an, a journey of their inner life and what's going on within them, and that's as I mentioned, where I believe we need to start so when I was living in new york uh, i I did that, then I moved to Oklahoma, which we can talk <laughs> about um and I led them virtually for a little bit, and then I led one full moon circle there, which Kate, I got to tell you, I was so afraid the folks in Oklahoma were going to run me out of that town on a broom because I'm a little bit too Jesus-y from a woo folks and a little too woo from a Jesus friends. And there it's a lot of Jesus friends. So I was a little nervous and I will tell you, it was one of the most wonderful circles I've ever had in my entire life. Jesus was welcome. We talked with him too and uh, whoever needed to. And then, you know, it was just opened for whoever needed to connect with whatever guidance. And one of the women there ended up hiring me as her coach. And now she's becoming a circle leader and she's starting them in our town. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was like the best. The best way it could have gone. Anyway, now that I live in Philadelphia, um, I'm thinking of starting them up again because I've had requests from people here to do do them. So we'll see. That might be something I add in, but I also do a lot of stuff.
0: (laughs) I'm a busy lady. A whole lot of stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we'll see. I have a lot of travels coming up too to Paris and London and all over the place. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's a great question.
0: Well, uh, we're coming up on a station break here. Uh, so, uh, we're talking to Kime Caldwell, who is a life coach and undergarment educator. And we will be back in about a minute and 15 seconds. Please stay tuned. Hooray. Welcome back to today's edition of Every Woman. We are talking to Kim A. Caldwell. Uh, Kime, I wanted to uh, change gears a little bit. Um, you and I both ended up in Oklahoma. Before you ended up in Oklahoma, uh, I believe you married your soulmate of about eight years. You two were together that long.
1: Yes, my husband and I actually met when I was 21 and it was not the plan. That was not the plan. I wanted to get married at 30 and I had a very specific kind of guy in mind that was sophisticated and, you know, was from Europe and had a yacht, you know, just typical (laughs) girl stuff that I wanted. (laughs) And I actually had been dating really fancy men. Um, in New York city. And that were much older than me. And I took a break. I I highly recommend this to any woman that's listening. I took what I'm going to call a man ban. And I decided to date myself. And I did that for almost a year. Now I was young. I was, this was from 20 to 21. um, But I knew I needed to get to know myself before I could really get to know somebody else. And I, I was just, said no to everybody when they asked me out or wanted to buy me a drink or whatever. I was like, nope, that person's lovely. Go take them out and said, um, don't want to be a jerk, just not interested. And so I did that for almost a year. And then wouldn't you know it, it was springtime in New York city and I was open to dating. And I just remember this man walking by me, on the street. And we were both going into this acting class, uh, in New York city and all of the chatty thoughts I had at 21 went really silent. And, um, I heard a voice my own voice say I could marry him and I was like what and uh, I, did, I did not know who this person was and long story short he was in my class and I thought okay great there's that guy like let's see what yacht he has if he if I'm gonna marry him <laughs> and it turns out as I mentioned earlier he's a dude from Ohio who played basketball and football <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> like didn't speak any foreign languages had never been to Europe still has never been to Europe and I've gone to Paris eight times without him um so yeah he it was just one of those things where I feel Feel like my my heart knew before my head, and I reluctantly fell in love with this person, and now we've been together for sixteen years. We had our first thank you. We had our first date at the Bronx Zoo, and we got married there six years later. So mm-hmm. hooray! Yes, hooray. and he's uh, the reason. He's the reason we moved to Oklahoma. If that's what you're kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, a little bit, but I had never heard part of you had never shared part of the story with me about, um, you know, you thought you you might be able to marry.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was love at first sight. Almost. It was, it was, I could marry him at first sight, which scared me. It was really scary thought to have. I was like, I don't even know this person. It was, it was wild, but But, that's just part of my practice of also listening to that intuitive voice within me, which is a very feminine energy thing to do is this doesn't rationally make sense, but I know I I can't explain it to you, but I know that's what that voice was for sure.
0: I I wish uh, I had Patty with me because she has a very similar story about oh, wow. when we met. Oh, wow. <laughs> she and I actually met at a church service, and uh, we had a very short courtship. We met in September, and we were married by April. And we
1: wow. Had- <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you, two months in, he said, I love you, and I was like, ugh because I knew, I knew I loved him back. And I I was still 21. I was like, I'm not, I wanted to get married at 30. Like I want to do stuff with my twenties. And, you know, I didn't know what God had in store for me with this partner and how much we would challenge each other and learn along one another. And, you know, I'm sure people who are married out there know this, and if you're not, here's the scoop. Marriage is hard. People say that, and it's actually true. But if you are choosing to be with a person and to make it work and to grow alongside each other from 21 to 37, which is my age from then to now, mm-hmm. I'm a different person. I've grown so much. And so we have to continually keep choosing each other. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what we've done. So I'm sure you've done the same. I know yeah. you have. <laughs>
0: yeah. Patty and I have been together for 27 years. Wow. Uh, our marriage survived my transition.
1: Yeah. You keep um, choosing each other. I love it. You
0: know, yeah, and we're going strong. So let's talk about the move to it a little bit.
1: Okay, cool. Um, um <laughs> that's a weird story, actually. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you the short version, I'll try to, that I in no way wanted to move to Oklahoma. I just want to be really clear about this. And yet that voice came to me. So um I was at a retreat uh for the Wild one project, actually. My one of my favorite places I go every year is my sixth time there. And I had actually been telling people about my relationship with my husband in this cool workshop about like how in the world do you date as a as a wild woman? You know, somebody who's like claimed their own power and like that can be tricky, um, especially if you're a cishet person like I am. So as people were sort of asking me, "How do you and your husband make it work?" And I said,'re well, we're, we're fiercely independent, And so I don't stop doing things I want to do because he doesn't want to do them. So that's what I mean. Like I go to Paris and I date myself. I take care of myself. I go, you know do wonderful things there, and then I come back, a really filled up, better partner. And somebody came back to me afterwards and said, "Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I want to do that too." And I said, "You know, if I'm being really honest, though, our next flex. Is more collaboration because we're almost too independent within our relationship and we want to have kids someday. So I was like this, that's a really collaborative thing. So (laughs) I'm hoping we can, I'm going to call in, I'm going to call in right now, call in in collaboration with my husband. And she was like, okay, cool. That night, I did not know it was going to happen that quickly. That (laughs) night, (laughs) we went down the mountain that I was on where I don't get cell phone service. And I had a call from him. He knows not to interrupt me at this retreat. So I was like, what is going on? Like who passed away? You know, I got really nervous. I called him and said, just give it to me straight. What's going on the day before he had had his 40th birthday, like a big page turn in his life. And he had been trying to get started in radio, actually in, in, um, sports radio and sports Mm -hmm. play-by-play. And so he ended up uh, telling me straight off the bat, okay, I have this opportunity. It's in Oklahoma and we have to let them know like really soon. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like where in Oklahoma. And he said, Woodward, I'd never heard of Woodward before. And I, I said, okay, like, do you want to do this? He's like, well, maybe I said, if you're a, maybe I am a no, but if you are a yes, I could be a maybe like, I need you to go away tonight. I need you to pray about this. Think about this, do whatever you got to do to get clear. And I will do the same thing. And then I'm coming home from this retreat tomorrow and we'll talk. Kate, I did not go about it i googled the town and then immediately (laughs) was like no i am a new york city girl why would i move to this place if you don't know where woodward is it's right before the panhandle of oklahoma it's two and a half hours from the closest city so oklahoma city which also means it's two and a half hours from the closest target it's one and a half hours from the closest starbucks i was like no absolutely not i have we know no one there this is a no that was my rational brain right and that makes sense (laughs) But I woke up in the morning, taking a shower and realized I had not actually prayed about it. And, you know, that's my form of getting guidance. And so I did one of those one minute prayers in the shower and I was like, okay, I was really juiced up at this retreat too, like really divinely connected. And so I did, I did this prayer where I was like, okay, God, do you want us to move to Oklahoma for his job? And the answer I got back was a question. And it was, well, what if I wanted you to move? And I was like, no, 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 I have no reason to be there. And again, the question was, but if I did, would you go? And there was just like this gut punch of I had been practicing surrender and here I was going against it. And I'll be honest, my first reaction was, well, you go there. This sounds like a great opportunity and I'll stay here. And that was the opposite of what I had just called in of collaborating with my husband. So I knew in that moment we were going, I knew it. So I drove up the mountain and I saw one of my favorite people I see all the time there. Um, Her name is Christine. And she took one look at me and she was like, what is going on? And I was like, Chris, I think I'm moving to Oklahoma. And she knows I am a city girl, knows it, knows I'm a New Yorker, knows I'm a Northeastern person for life. And she took a deep breath. And then she said, okay, what do we need to do? And those women like rallied around me. They were like, this is going to be so good for you. We're your hands at your back. Like it was just, they knew, I think they knew before I did how difficult this was going to be and how good it was going to be for him and for I, and and for me personally. So yeah, because of that, I called him up and I left him a message and I said, whatever you decide, whether you're a yes or a maybe I'm a Yes let's go. And we ended up moving so soon after that. <laughs> the only reason he didn't move the next week was because we had a birthday trip planned for him in a national park. And so we went there and then he immediately moved the next day after we got back. So it was like a week or two later. Um, and like he hacked up a minivan, moved himself three days across the country. And I joined him two months later because I was like hosting a retreat in Paris and <laughs> you know, I had like stuff to do. So yeah, it was wild. It was wild. I know you also moved to Oklahoma, as well. What was yours? Your situation? It, like? it
0: was a similar situation. It was a job. It was IBM. Oh that yeah, that's right. That's right. Me, wanted me. uh Be further south in Kansas City. So we, our story is a little interesting. We moved down uh, April Fool's Day of two thousand and nine. Wow. <laughs> And we were down there in, until last year. But I remember um, when this all happened for you, you put out a note on your blog post that you were going to go to Oklahoma. And there was some, uh, I think, trepidation.
1: Yeah, I was I nervous. I that
0: blog post. Yes. And um, I always like to think I'm a kind and warm-hearted person you
1: are Kate you are. so
0: I sent you a a response to your blog post that just said welcome yes and then you responded directly and that was the first time that you and I actually ever communicated directly because prior to that yeah um, as a trans woman I was just stealthily lurking or whatever on your website or whatnot (laughs) as a trans woman I never learned about bras
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And, you know, this was, I think the 2019 timeframe.
1: It was, I moved right before the pandemic y'all. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And, and so, um, you know, I'd been on hormones for roughly a year and it's like, okay, things are starting to develop pretty well. And, you know, the, the tight shirt or whatnot wasn't going to work. I'm going to have to sit there and, you know, just start working with what I have. Yes. And and that's when I started to follow you.
1: And let's be clear, Kate, you were the first person to welcome me to Oklahoma and I wasn't even there yet. So I had put out in my weekly newsletter, you know, it was a big deal, actually. Like I I kind of teased that we are moving and people guessed all these places. They're like Paris, London, LA, like Toronto. They were like, you're going to go to some cool cities. (laughs) So when I revealed that it was this teeny tiny place in Oklahoma, people were like, what? They really lost it. And so I made it clear that I was nervous, you know, that I, I wasn't going to find my people there. And in some cases I did. And in a bigger way, I'll be honest. I didn't, but you replied to that saying, Hey, I'm in Oklahoma. Welcome. We'd love to have you here. And I'm not kidding. It made such a difference in that transition for me. Changes are hard. Transitions are hard. They are uncomfortable. One of my coaches, I asked her once will change and and growth like ever not feel so difficult. And she said, no. And I was like, what? Like I thought she was going to tell me, like, yes, it gets easier as you do it. But really, she was like, your relation to it can change, but it is designed to be difficult. Change, transformation, transition is difficult, even when you're asking for it. So even, you know, we eventually moved back here to Philadelphia, which I'd been praying for. Even that one, people are like, oh, you must be so glad to be back on the East Coast. And I'm like, yes. And this was a transition this was hard. I went through some hard stuff during this. So, so yes, it was hard. And I'm so thankful that you reached out. It was so good. And I'm so glad that you found me. I don't even know how, you know, as you're dealing with these changes in your body, I can only imagine Kate, what learning about bras in your, you know, like plus, like, let's put it this way, not in your puberty years could be like to have a body for a certain amount of time, and then suddenly have a brand new body. And yet I can tell you, this is similar to cis women in some ways, because if they're going through menopause or perimenopause, their body changed, they have a whole new puberty again. And that is actually the time when I help the most people. People would come into me when I was fitting in the bra shop at 55 years old. And they'd be like, I don't know what the heck is going on. My body's changed completely again. I'm at my wits end and they usually have the time and the money resources to now take care of themselves. And they've come into a bra fitter. Cause they're like, I can't do this. I can't DIY this anymore. I cannot be bothered. I cannot deal with this you know, frustration anymore. And they'll come into me, I'll change their lives. <laughs> and then they're like, man, I wish I had met you when I was 20. I'm like me too. Do you know anybody who's 20? Let's bring them into me, send them over to me. So I'm just so thankful that you found me when you did and that you were able to reach out. That's, that's the best part.
0: I'm glad that uh, I could contribute positively to you in a small way. uh, You did, for sure, to how you've contributed positively to me in in very large ways. Um, Okay, you're in Philadelphia now. You've been there for what two months?
1: Yes, (laughs) not even. Wait a minute. We moved here on September 1st was our move-in date. So yeah, it's now it's like a month and a half,
0: basically. So I have to ask, are you a Phillies fan? Are you excited about the Phillies in the World Series? I knew you
1: were going to ask this. So, okay, hold on a minute. We also have to talk football in a second. but Yes, um, we do. (laughs) But I am a fiercely loyal person to my teams. And my husband is, too. I'm a Capricorn. He's a Leo. We're very loyal people. Yet I grew up with like Mets fans, but I wasn't really into the Mets. And then I married my husband and he's a Cubs fan. And I was like, sure, whatever. I'll support your team. And when they won the World Series, I was actually in Guatemala and watched it in Spanish at like 2 a.m. and watched them win and then called him. It was a really cool moment. But since then, to be honest, like I'm not a huge baseball fan, I enjoy it, but I'm not like into it. So I am happy to support the Phillies because I live here. Their fans are wild. Wild. <laughs> um, I, the the things I saw on the news and on Twitter and, and Instagram, it was wild. Um and luckily we don't live downtown right now. But um but yeah, I'm happy to support them and over the Astros, sure. Yeah, happy to happy to support the Phillies. But I'm not I wouldn't call myself a fan.
0: I will sit here and just simply say that, yes, I am rooting for the Phillies this year because I'm still mad about the Astros cheating scandal from three years ago.
1: As you should be. I don't blame you. Yes. Let's support the Phillies then. Phillies, for now.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you brought up football. Yes, uh, (laughs) ma'am. Okay, I'm going to out you to my Kansas City audience. (laughs) You are a diehard Die Hard Buffalo Bills fan. And <laughs> I, I am, am a since birth. Kansas City Chiefs fan. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yet we still love each other.
0: <laughs> we do love each other. We we tease each other a little bit. Um yeah. But it's it's all in good fun. And you it's know, so I'm-
1: fun though to chat with you about that because you know I've been a Bills fan since I was a little kid. Like I went to the games you know, Rochester and Buffalo are about an hour and a half from each other. So it was a trip to go there, but I have these pictures of me as like a seven or eight year old, you know, at the games and stuff back when like Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, you know, like all those glory years. And it was so much fun to be a Buffalo Bills fan until until it wasn't. And then it was really hard to be a Buffalo Bills fan. And so now that we're, we're good again, it's so much fun. And I actually found a Bills bar in Philly and they are just as rabbit here. It's so much fun. I just absolutely love going there. And I actually met a new friend just sitting next to her at the bar. I said, Hey, why are you Bill's fan? And we had this great conversation. So that's really cool. But it's what a wild time that like, your team and my team are both good. (laughs) We have this crazy rivalry going on that is just so much fun to watch. I've, I've both had my heart completely broken against your team where I cried for two days, not going to lie. And then, you know, success story of my whole month, um, against your team. So (laughs) I'm so glad that we have that. I think it's
0: fun. We have fun with it and, and yeah. I enjoy it and we don't get mean to each other. No, of course and, not. Of and course we're not. gracious when we lose and we're <laughs> gracious when we win.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and so- listen, I'm excited to have that as a, an ongoing thing. It's fun to watch. You know, sometimes my nerves can't take it, but I'd rather have that and have a really cool rivalry than, you know, just be a bum team that doesn't really get to do anything so I think it's great I'm I'm glad I think iron sharpens iron too and I think the yeah. two teams really make each other better so great
0: do, do so um, and go Bills <laughs> uh I will let you say go Bills and I'm gonna <laughs> sit there and say go Chiefs <laughs> okay you're ready yeah we are Chiefs have a bye week this week so we not, did last you, week
1: actually so I got to sit and just watch everybody play and yeah, it
0: was, it was I, I will say you were talking about finding you know a Bills fans in um philadelphia i just got back from new york city last night um uh, it's amazing how a little bit of fog at, you know in new york city can totally mess up delta Airline's system but
1: it was intense fog but yes oh yeah right.
0: it was it was i get that um <laughs> anyway but traveling totally right
1: now good- i know we could have a whole separate conversation i'm sure people listening can agree that traveling right now flying right now specifically which i do a lot yeah. is tricky <laughs> It's, it's not tricky. Pleasant. i used
0: to do a lot then this except this month we've uh traveled twice i had to go to new york city this past week and uh our three-time rescheduled southern caribbean cruise finally happened at the end of september
1: oh my gosh uh, we've
0: been on the we've been on planes twice anyway i want to you know change directions here and i really want to talk a little bit And maybe we can educate some women on, you know, bras and bra confidence and comfort.
1: Yeah. You want to talk about bras? I can talk about bras.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, as a trans woman, I'm obviously very much aware of how my body has changed over the last um, five years. I've gone from what some people might call nothing or moobs. (laughs) To what is currently, I, I say my base size is forty two D, and then my band size is, is actually forty two and a quarter. Mm-hmm.
1: But the forty
0: two mm-hmm. stretch—they're comfortable for me and everything. Great, and you know, and I learned this from you. Is there is no just one number?
1: Yeah, that's true. So I actually did a blog post many years ago. I actually can't, I can't remember the date. It must've been in 2015 or so, like really early in my, in my business, um, in my blogging journey too. And it was purely educational. So I really pride myself on being an undergarment educator because unfortunately I don't think we're taught how to wear undergarments. Now, even if you are a cisgendered woman and in your puberty years, you're taught by like your parent or guardian, or even like somebody in a department store, that person also probably isn't that knowledgeable. Um, I've even heard now of programs putting it into the school, which I would love. I I actually did this once in Oklahoma, which was a, a wild story. I'm happy to tell you about. Um, but I think we need more education on bras and undergarments throughout life because, your body will change from your puberty years into your maybe childbearing years or into your menopause years or whatever right like our bodies just change so much and nobody knows how to do this so my my website is filled with free education and then i have a course that you can also purchase which is i try to keep the cost low in order to help people get this basic information and i'll tell you my reason for doing this too is because i lived in new york city i never had a car i never had a car in my entire life And then I moved to Oklahoma. So I had to like buy a car in Queens and then drive it three days to Oklahoma and re-register it, which I did not know was a thing. So that was actually a big mistake on my part. Anyway, um, I didn't know how to take care of this really expensive investment. And so I took a class. I took a whole workshop on car maintenance and a lot of the information was super basic, but I didn't know it. And then a lot of it was go to a great mechanic. And I thought, oh my gosh, bra fitters are the mechanics and the people that wear bras are the car owners. And you don't need to know everything, but you do need to know the basics. You do need to be empowered with the basics. And then whether you want to DIY it, change your own oil, fine. Or you want to go into a great bra fitter, you are now empowered. I can't tell you how much better I felt going into the mechanic feeling like I knew the basics rather than being like, are they taking advantage of me? I don't know. I'm so intimidated. I'm sweating. I'm not welcome here. This is like a dude's place and I'm a lady. Like it was really great. So I want to do the same thing for people when they go bra shopping. It's not a fun experience for a lot of people. I want to change that. It's not a very empowered, educated part of people's lives, but they think, well, I, you know, I wear bras every day. I should know this. No, no, no. You didn't, you weren't taught. Let's teach you. So that's my little disclaimer about why I have so much education on my site. So anyway, I had made this uh, blog post where I had nine different bras on that were all different sizes and all fit me because you can walk out of a bra fitting with different sizes on. And part of that is because bra sizes are labeled differently from brand to brand or country to country. They have different sizing systems. It might be made of a, a different material. Like a sports bra is even if it measures the same as your basic bra, it's going to probably have less stretch because it's firmer and needs to hold you more. So you might have to size up in that. And then same thing for like bralettes, they're probably super duper stretchy. So you might need to size down in that just so it, it's actually firm enough to hold you depending on how snug you need it to be in order to do its job. So I I realized. A lot of you, you, know, people can wear different sizes, but here's the biggest thing, Kate, people were, every time I, I measured them, people were worried about the size that I was going to tell them that they are, I'm putting quotes over the word are mm-hmm. because everyone will say I am a 34 double D or I am a 42 D. And I think that's just how we've been taught to say this, but I want to change that language if we can, because I usually tell people. I usually wear a 34DD or 34DD fits best in most bras because A, I can wear other sizes and B, I am not a size. I'm a divinely created full human being who is generous and gracious and creative and you know challenged. That's not who I am. And so I created this campaign called um, More Than My Numbers because I wanted people to get away from defining themselves by a, a bra size. Suddenly, if you're, if you wear an A cup or a D cup, you, it means something different about you. I literally had people tell me they refused to wear anything over a D and I was like, well, babe, I'm going to fit you on with fits, but this is what I'm talking about with that inside work. Then we got to address how you're talking to yourself about what that size means about you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So the more than my numbers project was me and a bunch of other brave people who shared not only their bra sizing and their measurements, to get their bra size, but also other numbers that they were committing to letting go. Um, Their salary, their number of kids they had or miscarriages or abortions they had, their Mm -hmm. um, number of partners they've had, the number of different races that they are, um, their age, like all sorts of different numbers that we could let define us. And instead we're choosing to just be information instead of a definition. Mm -hmm. So that's my spiel on more than my numbers.
0: And I know I've seen that personally. Um yeah. I, I look at it. So I, like I said, my base sizes in Waco is 42D. But, you know, one of the things that was very interesting to me and I wear, you know, my everyday bras is really just an embrace without an underwire. Okay. And when... I, I will totally admit uh that I had breast augmentation surgery last this past May, the final for you. part of yeah. my transition. And the doctor did what I wanted. I, as I described the way my breast looked, it was kind of the Madonna cone.
1: <laughs> and I was
0: not pleased with that. So while already on a 42-inch chest you're fine you you struggle a little bit to find outfits that look good because at that size a lot of um designers think that you're overweight or yeah. you're obese. Yep, but yep, I, yep. I I'm uh, I'm a little overweight. Yes, but I am not obese.
1: <laughs> and more importantly, you know, your your physical body is probably not designed for like thought of when someone's designing, but also like people over even a cisgendered woman, right? Like yeah. with a 42 inch um underbust is also not thought of. Like let's be really clear. There's a lot of portions of our um culture in our um population that are not cared for and thought of yeah. in a in a great way when things are designed for them so i can imagine that you had struggles for sure
0: and and i feel sorry for i know cis women that are larger than i am me too I know yeah. many that are larger than i am
1: yeah um, i mean i fit folks up to a 56 band so yeah. Um, you know, I've, I fit down to a 26 and up to a 56 from double A to end cup and everything in between. So yes, those, yes. those bodies need great bras and, um, clothing as well.
0: Yeah. So just to drive my point home, which you taught me about, it's what amazed me. So I said, my base bras, 42 D Waco embrace, no underwire. So when I had my breast augmentation, the other problem that I've got is what Waco calls east west, or what my surgeon called a lateral hang. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my breasts tend to spread out left, right. Super and, common. Yes. Yeah. Which, and
1: also after augmentation for trans folks, very common, by the way. Yeah.
0: Which on uh, all
1: bodies, truly, yeah. very common,
0: which drives me absolutely batty. And so I've been working. To find bras that will help reduce that left white. And what I learned, and this is within the Waco, the um, difference between the embrace without a wire and yep. the difference. My underwire size is 42C.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, we're talking to called uh, <laughs> Caldwell, and uh, we're talking about self love and undergarments and everything that is part of our hearts as women, and um, we have to take another break. So about another minute, we'll be back. And welcome back to Every Woman this fine Saturday afternoon. Today we have uh, Kim A. Caldwell, life coach, undergarment educator, really, really, really cool person that I've known for a handful of years. And uh, so, Kimé, welcome. And in our final segment here, we touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to get into it a little deeper, how changes in the woman's body can affect the changes in their emotions, in their mental state, in their hearts, in their minds. Do you have anything to say on that?
1: Ooh, how much time do we have? (laughs) Uh, About eight minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm teasing. I I feel like I could talk about this forever, but you know, the truth is, and again, I think any woman listening can probably relate to this, unfortunately, actually, um, that we are really taught. And I say that because it's partially what we're taught in our culture, but also I truly believe we are, and there's been studies on this too. This is not just some woo stuff, but. We really carry down um, trauma and generational fears and worries and things within our bodies that our, our mom held and that our parents held. And I really believe that is passed down. So I, part of it is that we're taught this and part of it is that we're kind of born with this in our body a little bit. But the thing is, especially as women, we are taught to um, make our value dependent on our body. So we've, we, as a culture, we really value youth a lot and no wrinkles and firm bodies and uh, flat stomachs and perky breasts and all the things that you can talk about somebody that is 17 years old, typically, not, not every 17 year old, but that's like the, the kind of thing that we all just like look at and are like lust after. And if our body doesn't match that mold of thinness, and let's be honest, of, of like light skinnedness, Right and other things that suddenly we are not valuable. We're not worthy of love. We aren't seen as beautiful. And if we're not seen as beautiful, or as Brene Brown puts it, the three things that really matter in our minds, and maybe shouldn't, that matter in our minds as women are being pretty, pleasing, and perfect. If we aren't those three things, then there's something wrong with us and we're no longer good enough. And so it's natural then, if that's the way our minds have been taught to think and has been passed down. And again, I told you, I I grew up in the eighties and nineties during like mega diet culture where I remember, and I love my mom. I want to be super clear about this. Love my mom, but she had these own thoughts too. And she thought she was helping me by helping me fit into the mold of valuable and worthy and beautiful. So she, I remember when I was a little girl, maybe like 11, 12 years old, just about to, you know, go through puberty, she told me, like, well, don't eat that because you don't want thunder thighs. So there's just this this idea of placing our value on our bodies. So when it changes and it no longer matches that mold, we 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 really have a freak out. And so especially somebody who is going through body changes as a pubescent woman and then a childbearing woman, maybe, and then a perimenopause woman, that change becomes so far from what our culture deems as beautiful that it can really knock us on our feet as women. And suddenly having a larger tummy and softer body and and heavier breasts feels like I don't fit this mold of beautiful and valuable that I want to be. So if that's you, anyone out there thinking you're probably like, yeah, I get it. I feel that way. Thanks for driving that home. The thing is, I want to reassure you that you are more than your body too. And that this body, this partner that you have in life is not actually who you are. And yet I encourage you to try to treat it like a best friend. And would you talk to your friend the way that you talk to your body? Would you um, have the same expectations of your friend that you do of your body? Like I, for myself in my twenties, I expected my body to keep up to go the the pace that my brain wanted to go and to do all these things. And I didn't let it rest. I didn't give it time to like be, and I was just expecting it to function as like a robot. And I wouldn't do that to my friend if she were tired. And I'd be like, come on, friend, like grab your stuff. Let's go. I'd be like, okay, let's just rest a little bit then. Like, don't worry about it. So um, yeah, my encouragement is for you to re- um, reevaluate your relationship with your body in a loving way without judgment of like I shouldn't have done this or I was the worst or I can't believe it, but really to like lift the judgment and to just restart a relationship. It takes time to undo some of the relationship habits that we have with people with your body. And so I lovingly encourage you to practice starting to talk kinder, have more forgiveness for your body and for yourself, and to really ask yourself if I were alone on a deserted island. And there was nobody else around. What choices would I make about my body? How would I feel about it? Because it's really other people's opinions mostly that we are trying to fit into and mold ourselves to. And is that the most helpful thing in the world? I mean, we live in this culture. We have to participate in it some ways, but is that what you want to do? And do you want to take steps towards undoing that in little bitty ways? Maybe that means wearing a bra. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that means wearing shapewear or not. Maybe that means wearing lipstick or not. Like these are all empowering choices that you get to make for yourself. And once you let go of doing that for someone else and you decide, I want to do this for myself, it feels really good. It's a really, really great place to live. So yeah, but it does, we feel it in our bodies all the time when in our minds and our hearts, when our bodies change, it's really tricky when your body no longer, and you get this more than anybody, probably Kate, not to put you on the spot, but when your body doesn't match who you feel you are or want to be, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. So I, the best way I think to move through that is with compassion and forgiveness and to lovingly craft um, and adorn and dress yourself in a way that feels the most you for you that felt like augmentation or feels like wearing a bra that shapes it in a certain way Um, for somebody else that might be no bra, (laughs) you know, right? Like it's really dependent on that person and what makes them feel their, their most them.
0: Mm -hmm. May, we've only got a few minutes left, and this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Uh, I just wanted to ask you what do you see your future holding for you? And if hopefully, I'm not putting you on the spot. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. What a deep and powerful question, Kate. Um, But you know what? I appreciate that question because I have been thinking about it. If you are into moon stuff at all out there, we're in eclipse season right now. And eclipses Mm -hmm. are, we just had a new moon yesterday at the time of this taping and we're moving in. That was an eclipse of a new moon in Scorpio. And then we're moving to a full moon, which will also be an eclipse. I bring this up because it's a really powerful, oh my gosh, I'm getting goosebumps saying this, a really powerful time of endings and beginnings and that is literally what transition and change is. <laughs> and we can fight change, we can fight transition, we can do all all we want to and make it harder, but it's going to happen or we can work with it. So, I just moved. That was a huge transition for me. And it's been met with some really great things and some really uncomfortable things. And I could feel before this moon, could feel almost like a request from God. He was like, hey, um, I've got some really big opportunities for you up here on this next level and you're still down here and that's okay, but I need you to start making the climb up from here to there. And uh, that's a tricky climb. And I'm feeling a lot of like discomfort and change happening. And yet I can see ahead that it'll all be worth it, even if I don't know exactly. But I'll tell you what, Kate, I've got this great course for consumers. My next step that I really want to do is I want to create a course um, to become a bra fitter. And how do you create sacred and beautiful space within the fitting room that's inclusive and helps people not only get a great bra, but like create a space where they can be vulnerable. Um, That's the kind of fitters I want in the world. I think just like every town is a mechanic, every town needs a bra fitter. We, it's such a basic need that we have and we ignore it because it's a woman's thing and I'm over it. So that's my next <laughs> step is to, to train fitters. And of course, I've got trips coming up to Paris and London, as I mentioned, really cool editorials that I'm doing with a great um, expo. I've got a super cool panel that I'm hosting in February on men's lingerie and where do men fit into this whole world? And is it okay for them to participate in undergarment? and laundry and love it and pleasure and all those things um and then just personally exploring philadelphia and seeing if this is where we want to land and, and, and live and create a family so yeah that's cool. what's happening right here
0: cool may hey, this has been wonderful i, I really I, such I a really, delight really appreciate your time and i really appreciate your flexibility
1: yeah you, same oh. back right back at you
0: I, again, I want to offer my condolences on the loss of your grandfather.
1: Thank you. My last uh, living grandparent. I appreciate that.
0: And um, With that, we um, need to let our listeners know that uh, Donna Wolf and Urban Connections is going to be coming up next. And uh, you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Many thanks.
1: Thank you. And listen, if anyone wants to reach out, I'm at Hurray Kimay on all social media, which is H U R R A Y K I M M A Y, or you can find great resources at HurrayKimay.com. So that's H U R R A Y K I M M A Y.com. Thanks, Kate.
0: I'll, I'll have those up on the website episode.
1: Sure. Awesome. Amazing. Right. Thank you. Thank you.